0: This is the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast.
1: Does it classify you as an adult to own an umbrella? What's the other one you use Grubhub or something?
2: Grubhub?
0: <laughs> but no, you're not getting a hoodie. And
2: now he's the yawn guy.
0: I just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk to you about one of our sponsors, F and H Contracting and Fence, located in Billings, Montana. If you're looking to spruce up your yard, I want a little more privacy for them summer backyard barbecues or maybe you just need part of your fence repaired contact our friends at FNH Contracting and Fence by texting 406-661-7484 from front yards to farm yards and even chain link to vinyl they've got you covered now back to the action
2: this is the BMB Network and you're listening to the 57th podcast of the Bull Mountain Brothers boys Wow. What is going on?
0: Wow. That's all I have to say. I know. Me.
2: I am literally like
0: still and shaken shock. to
2: the bone. Wired. Uh the the last, you know, we we talk and and this is kind of getting um what's repetitive. It called repetitive, where we talk about um
0: words are hard.
2: Yeah, especially we've been here, been here a little while tonight. We talk about how there's evolutions of our adventure here, right? and there's been excitement times and there's been this and that the last two weeks going forward this thing has taken and turned itself into a monster maybe not quite a monster maybe like a maybe a sasquatch
0: it's a snowball effect why do you go from a monster to a sasquatch I just feel like what's the
2: what's the tier there I mean um, (laughs) I think it starts with like a chupacabra
0: this is the Bull Mountain Brothers snowball what do you mean? And his route you know, snowball headed down the hill. It's Snowball okay for Now I head. get I get the metaphor. So what point at the hill are we? No, going? no. See, if you think about it, as the snowball rolls, it gets bigger, right? right. And as it gets bigger, things start moving faster. I understand your question, so Sean. Aggressive. Stop being aggressive. But anyway. But do you guys not disagree that all of a sudden it's like
2: all these dominoes like all these structures that we've put in place over the last year and oh, damn it's been going on a year and a half um are starting to like build into something crazy
0: crazy is a
2: Maybe There's we're not to the crazy it. point yet, but we're to the uh, point where like no, it's crazy. It's we're, we're, it's we're at the moment we're scratching the surface. At, no, it's at the crazy.
1: moment we're at right now. It's crazy to us because well, I mean, who's to say what what what's going to be crazy to us in five years? We don't know. Or so, even a year.
2: I mean, this thing because we're talking craziness is
0: relative to where you're at.
2: As you guys kind of know now, our when we do an, and we'll, I guess we'll just burn it now. We did an interview tonight. Uh, it was amazing. Um, probably I, I easily would put in our top five list of favorite podcasts we've ever done. I kind
1: of like our 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 idea on how we do these interviews because clearly like when we do, is it's a Zoom interview. Um, When we do those, obviously the people aren't in studio. So we're not going to, and most of the time they end up being, you know, at an earlier point than what we would typically have an in-studio guest come. So, you know, with our jobs and things like that, we can't show up two hours early and bust an intro out, but I like how we, I, I really do kind of like how we're doing this because we get here, you know, 45 minutes before we have the Zoom meeting posted. And then essentially we get everything set up, camera check, sound check, all that. And then essentially just go right into the interview because we don't want to waste their time in a, you know, where right. wherever they are. It ge- makes it
0: more efficient for the guest,
1: Right. And like wherever they are geographically, it doesn't matter. And so
2: it's cool. I kind of like this how we're doing this. Well, and I like it too because we're three minutes in right now, and we can advertise exactly what we did. And, you know, if it sucked, we can, <laughs> we can tell you if it sucked. But I honestly, if you think about it, though, if we were to do these before,
1: we
0: do our due diligence to make sure they're not going to suck. Though. Yeah,
1: but if we were to do these like the intro actually before, and we have no idea what to talk about with it, like most of the time with these Zoom, I mean, these the two Zoom meetings we've done. We've never met these people in, right. you know, and well. What
2: I think was lucky for us too is the last Zoom, the last two Zoom calls, well, the only two Zoom calls we've ever done um, have been with people that are very fluent speaking and like obviously have oh, yeah. been in that atmosphere before. And it helps a lot because I, I really do feel like if we did our intros before, it'd be
1: very hard to be like, oh, so, you know, we have John Doe coming on and you know
0: he does this and. and and at the same time you have the person in the meeting you're like hey you want to just sit for 15 to 30 minutes while we do this and right. then get bored of it
3: yeah
2: right. I don't know I, where was I going with this why did I bring that up um, basically oh man I was going on a tangent with it but essentially are you good oh you guys need a refill over there you Sorry. just
0: keep Sorry. doing it when the um, camera switches don't worry about what's going on over here
2: I, it's just like the the stuff that's happening in the last like two weeks is just like blowing I, I literally I I sit home at night, I get on the computer, and I start working on a little bit of our stuff. And while you're
0: out at him and that koozie. Give you?
2: him that koozie. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta get rid of this Jeez. Bull Mountain Brothers energy drink here. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> G stands for
2: Bull Mountain Brothers. Bull Mountain gangsters. <laughs> um
0: Oh, he god, fell you off the train. You guys, hard. Was,
2: <laughs> the wagon oh, is down. Oh my god! Um, oh, know, I'm like just literally like shaking with like excitement for what we're gonna like oh, April. That, 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 do that face again? That's not excitement.
0: That's like <laughs> that's constipation. <laughs> that's
2: constipation. No, I think that like. <laughs> The things like April's why April? April in my life has never been anything of importance ever. Easter, dude. May, you know, you got Memorial Weekend. You go camping. Uh,
0: there was always like this a, guy doesn't like Easter basket. I guess not.
2: April has never been an exciting month for me, and for some reason, in the history of Bull Mountain Brothers, April will be the most insane month of our entire existence up to up to date. For sure. Well, it's not April yet. <sighs> I know it's uh, what is it? March 22nd, 22nd? twenty second,
0: twenty. Second,
2: <laughs> So it's March 22nd.
0: If you're watching. This, let's, this just,
2: let's just run through the things that 25. we know that we can talk about right now. First of all, March 25th, we are closing down the website. Website yeah. is going to be 25th. Unavailable. I don't know what Sean's trying to say. Can you just tell me what you're trying to say, Sean? That's what oh. I was trying to say. Oh, he wants to see all of us. Starting March 25th, the website will be closed for two weeks. That is directly correlated to the fact that it's not a rebrand. I mean, we kind of had that. We kind of did a rebrand when we started the whole YouTube video stuff.
1: I feel like we can say it at this point. We're it's a rebrand. It's not. It's not a rebrand. I I feel like we can express details in in a sense. You want to talk about it? I'm like not going to talk about it. I'm just going to describe it in a sense. Okay. Well, hit me up then. What the website? No. No. What do you? What was the phone call we just had before well, we started? Well, I know, this? but I'm not going to go into full depth on that. Uh-oh. But
0: what I'm saying is. We don't know what you're saying. This is what this guy's saying. Right so,
1: now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you can't tell, this interview really got us hyped up. Now we're all yeah, just hyped for no, like, shit. No, anyway. So the this is rebranding is my, this is my Michael Jordan It's, game it's right worth now. the couple hours you're going to spend watching.
1: It. As I was saying, the uh, in a sense, <laughs> you know, this rebranding <laughs> it's not it's not a false statement because we have some incredible incredible i feel like I need gosh to go I, don't to to it I don't want to say it now i don't want mean, to say it now
2: it's okay i uh, i just, it takes away the suspense i know uh,
0: everything you've just built up to at this point and now you're not going to say it is kind of it's a, like kind of like every tiktok
1: video ever though. you ever watch it what's that people that were like famous on Facebook? you were
0: spewing clickbait out of your mouth yeah, right now. i
1: know now. like there's those people that like they make those tiktok videos and you like it's like boiling up to see the and oh, then it's people that have like it. eight part videos. Yeah, and then it doesn't actually happen. But anyway, the rebranding in a sense is Don't not be that guy. it's not false because we have done something that we've never done before. Um we have essentially built how do I say this vaguely? We have built a sub company within company. A new the company. face. A we s- got a
0: facelift.
2: Yeah, we did get a fa- but it's not But not really. Not Cuz really. we're keeping the old we're keeping the old logo. Like When you think of Bull Mountain Brothers, you still think of what's on Sean Ramsey's hat right now. That's what we are. That's Bull Mountain Brothers Incorporated. That's what that is. For sure. But the podcast has its own vision. It's own. It's taking... So the podcast and what we're... Bull Mountain Brothers are taking like a... Ricky
3: Sean, doesn't, Sean, doesn't, like Sean doesn't like
2: what I'm using my hands, but I have to do this. Bull, <laughs> <laughs> Bull Mountain Brothers... <laughs> let's just say Bull Mountain... We had a square. I didn't think
0: that was going to show up so well.
2: Bull Mountain Brothers was everything inside that square. Now there's a couple little rectangles coming out of the square. This is too. We're
0: branching out. Why are you
2: using piss poor shapes? I'm not using good shapes at all. (laughs) Essentially, what we're doing is Bull Mountain Brothers is the mothership, and let's just use a cruise ship.
1: Okay. No, I like the mothership reference better.
2: A bunch of when you have a bunch of little ships inside the mothership. That are coming out of when it. a mommy ship and a daddy ship love each other. So the podcast has left Bull Mountain Brothers as the face of Bull Mountain Brothers. And it has turned into its own little ship. And it's going to have its own little face. It's going to have its own little. It's going to be its own entity. And then there's another ship that's coming out at the same time. <laughs> what do they do with my I don't hands? know
0: what to do with my Sorry. hands.
2: It's a, tri- it's a square. It's a square right there. Bull Mountain Brothers is turning into the media company that's always promised to be. It is, when you think of Bull Mountain Brothers, you think of a media company as a whole. You don't think of the Bull Mountain Brothers podcast only. That's what I'm trying to get at here. We will be, we're starting new new, new business adventures within the company, essentially, under the same name. Mm-hmm. Just different looks and stuff for, you know, let's just give an example that's not true. If we, we started on hockey club, hockey stick. Nope. Sorry. What?
0: Hockey puck. Nope.
2: What are you going for here? Moving on. What, what do you call the things you hit the stick? It's hockey stick, right? Sure. Yeah. We started on Hockey Stick Company. It would be the Bull Mountain Brothers Hockey Stick Company, but it would be it wouldn't be like you know in the podcast. Does that make sense? Coming soon. Nope. Beaumont Brothers Hockey Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with hockey. I've never watched, played, or done anything with hockey my entire life, but I just it just came on to me.
1: Um, let me let me just jump in here because Riley is going off off train here. Essentially what he's saying is that we have, Beaumont Brothers is always going to be the main name that you hear revolving around anything we do. And we have multiple future ideas that are going to come come to fruition. Fruition. Um, that's what I said. Uh, essentially what he's getting at is we have something coming <clears throat> sooner than we thought, I would say. Definitely sooner yep. than we thought. Um We've had previous meetings um figuring out details on this stuff.
0: There's been hours and hours and hours put into this. So to prolong this a little more, <laughs> uh, you're just going to have to watch and find out.
2: Well, it's just look at it this way.
0: The website's coming
2: back April 3rd. At that point, everything should become out in the open. That should, Everything should be dropped. There's there's the thing Sean's talking about. There's another thing that's coming out at the same time um, involving another essentially thing that we can do to give back to the listeners. Was that what you would say, Sean? Uh, yeah. yeah, I would. Bigger than anything we've ever done. Way more awesome than anything we've ever done. Sean's excited about it personally. It's like something he's very passionate about, kind of. I, I've i kind of had this idea
1: since the beginning, and it's really cool because I feel like the sky's the limit for the ideas that we come up with because some of them are just like astronomical ideas. But this was kind of, you know, ask me 11 months ago, this was astronomical to even think about. And now it's
2: it's happening. Yeah. So, Well, look at it this way too. I mean, when we did the turkey hunt last year, we all hated doing it. And this year it's done better. It's done enough in a way that we'll probably do it again, essentially. Right. It's not it's not like blowing us out of the water, but we were able to give we're gonna be able to give Starlight a good chunk of change uh as far as donation, which is like I mean, this has been the the most fun I've had in the last four months is starting to partner with all of these um, with Reed. I mean, yeah, it's been with a bunch of different people within the community as well as like um Starlight. nonprofits and yeah. stuff like that. Um
1: and with the continuous comments of of how we've kind of done things where they kind of go, you know, they go through the motion and then we find out, you know, if we want to do them again, what we are making the most suspenseful thing that any of you listening are ever going to hear in your entire lives will not ever stop. This is the start and the end is to be determined. Never going to end. This whole concept that we are coming up with and have came up with and are about to offer you is never ever going to the advancements, the uh the work we put into it, it's all it it's only gonna get better um from this point on. It's something that we had a lot of passion towards um revolving around our media company. I mean, at this point, I can't say that, I'd give it away, but um more things are coming through Bull Mountain Brothers and where we want to get to. Um
2: well stream, it's also streamlining another our our biggest passion ever is getting streamlined through this beginning s- stepping stone, I feel like. We're, we're such being such asshole. assholes right now. Just be like, oh, we're, we're gonna do what? This. The hell are you talking about? That's what everybody's thinking. Listen, should we just stop talking about it right now? Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, Well, we're gonna stop yeah. talking about it right now. Just know that April third, I don't know that April beginning of April time stuff's gonna stuff's gonna fly. Day of your life. Um, I can say, I guess, one thing that we're working on right now that I can drop. I believe the end of April, um, the date that's tentatively picked out but not concrete, is April twenty second. Uh, We will be having a booth at, I believe, the Squire Lounge, somewhere we were just at recently. We've started to develop quite a good relationship with the owner there. He's an awesome guy, really as passionate about helping the community as we are. Um, But there's going to be some sort of booth situation. We might do a live podcast. Not sure yet. Stay tuned for that kind of advertising once we get it concrete. But I will tell you right now what we're working for, uh, big news for that is – Make sure you to come out because there's gonna be an awesome prize available. Uh as far as like, I mean, obviously you're gonna have to put in um it's not a raffle, but it is a raffle. You come down, you an auction. You purchase tickets to get in, right? Silent so you're gonna option. I think it's gonna be like five I think Matt talked today, it's gonna be like five dollars for one ticket or twenty tickets give you five entries or whatever. Um, and it's only at this this you can only buy it at this location. Um you're gonna get in for a drawing for um, what? I'm just kidding. Oh, he's, he wants to be <laughs> suspenseful again. I don't think this one needs to be suspenseful. This one needs to be advertised because it's important. Um, I'm I think it's mute a one.
0: You right as you say
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a one day. I, I think it's one day float trip on the Bighorn. I think that's what Matt's Matt's doing. It's a a fishing trip for a uh, float on the Horn. Matt's gonna host it. It's going to be awesome. It's a I want to say probably a five hundred dollar value something like that. Seven hundred fifty dollar value. I can't remember. Um, but essentially, we're going to take all the proceeds from that. Nothing's going towards us. It's all going towards, I believe it's called Shot in the Dark. I'm gonna once we get some advertising up. I'm gonna I'm gonna be. Let me let me look it up because I don't want to be wrong. Um,
0: goes to his phone. And he has a laptop right in front of him. <laughs> Hold on. It I doesn't
1: got actually work.
2: Here. The only two laptops that...
0: Like, you guys are just going
1: to have to it, talk for We way. are going to make fun of you. With right, like 95%, 5%. Um,
2: so the company is... Oh, excuse me, sorry. Out of the Darkness Community... 80, 20, community 80, Walks. Um, it is a suicide prevention, uh, basically a, a company that deals with... You guys are really going to talk over me when I'm talking about this right now. Okay, sorry. go. Um, it's uh, Out of the Darkness Community Walks. They deal with
0: it okay. good
2: <laughs> um anyways all the proceeds for this is going to go to out of the darkness again it's a suicide prevention nonprofit um, locally local one so that's really cool for us and again we'll give all the proceeds to that we'll have merchandise available for sale at this booth um,
0: hopefully it's gonna <laughs> Don't do it. That's, do you that's another big thing that's coming. Yeah, that's we haven't we haven't touched on there. that. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah.
2: sorry. Right, we're going to continue on that. So yeah, I can I can we give that up. Uh oh, god, what else we got going on? This Saturday the 25th, tomorrow
0: oh, if you're listening to this vi- or no. Be if today. you're listening to the audio version tomorrow. No, today. Our audio version tomorrow. Yes. Video uh, yeah, video version. Right,
2: day. Jesus, Are
1: you easy? Skyview Education is hard. Okay, we'll settle down. Sean. Okay. <laughs> Fuck kids. Um no, hold
0: on. I'll just keep going. I I'll figure
1: it out. A heart
2: attack over here. Hold on. You should um, just
1: leave it like that, Ramsay.
0: Fuck you, Sean. <laughs> What's your mouth? Um God. just keep talking.
2: I'm you back. are you are destruction. You're destruct you're destruction to our best podcast ever. Thank you.
0: Um I think it adds a little bit of Possess. just
2: touch your buttons and be quiet um <laughs> yeah okay. thank you thank you for that <laughs> um yeah so this saturday we just saturday the 25th jesus Ramsey. um is our turkey drawing is our turkey hunt raffle drawing um basically we're uh, out of the blue we got the opportunity to do it live at a, a location we're back at the high horse um how do we have it figured out 6 30 pm um is when we're we will be at location at 6 30 well I think um, we'll of, be I, I have it we'll be there a little bit earlier than that 4 30 I think okay um but, tickets but, stop at 6 30. you cannot purchase a ticket no longer once 6.30 hits
1: right and then so essentially we're gonna be there and trying to get out these last minute tickets things like that um so what's the vibe
2: you come, buy tickets till 6.30, and then have dinner, Have
1: dinner, have a beer, you know, whatever, have a drink. And then 7.30, uh, we are going... Uh, we're, it's going to be live in person, obviously, because we're there. But then also, we're going to do is the same as we did on the first annual. Well, not first annual, but the first. Um, we're going to be live on, uh,
2: I believe, YouTube. Yeah, I think we'll be live on YouTube, but we can share it to Facebook. So you'll be able so, to see yeah. us on... Because last year
0: months. last year it was just even possibly live. do a live what TikTok.
2: Is we could do a live TikTok, but we'd have to have someone's phone set up, which yeah, is not a problem. That's it, super
1: easy. But uh a little different than we did last year. We weren't on as many platforms last year as uh we currently are. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a big production in a way. Um I mean it's about as much we we can do about as much as we can, if that makes sense. I mean, I know that is very vague, but um, yeah, we're just gonna, the third party, we haven't quite nailed down who the third party that we're gonna have draw yet. It's gonna mm-hmm. be, um, we'll figure that out here. Well, there should be a hundred people to choose from yeah, inside the right. Um, we'll <clears> have the be same, a tender, we'll know. have the same, I don't know where it is. Oh, it's laying on the ground over there. Our, our little Tumblr. Um, maybe.
0: favorite Amazon purchase ever.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, we'll have a third party figure,
2: um, pull the drawing. And, uh, Sean tried to push for us hosting a trivia there that night. I did, but he had uh, already purchased. So once you're done with us at seven thirty, stick around. There's a DJ, uh, dance floor situation going on. Li- you know, basically live DJ music. Uh, food and drinks available. So check that out. We we don't really get to host anything crazy, um, but we're just there to do the drawing. Um, so if you're in the area, come check it out. Oh, what's the biggest thing about this? What do we have to offer? <laughs> Sean, Sean, go grab yeah, him. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Go be know. our Vanna White. Uh, I will. Can, can we show yeah. yeah. Should we? Go be our Vanna White. You already...
2: Can you, you mute me? Matt's calling me. This is a limited... Just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that.
1: This oh. is a limited, limited, one-time turkey-only the hat. There's two of them that we have come up with. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's just... I'm going to get up and... Oh, uh,
2: I'll do some more talking for you. There's 20 hats available... Uh ten in each color. Basically, they are only going to be available for purchase ever this Saturday at the High Horse. <coughs> um, what we figured out is we're doing them for a event cost, so it's they're gonna be cheaper than any hat. You're not gonna be able to go get Richardson's like this at just any point. Um, this is our favorite one. Ooh, what a what a money looking. Oh, is that a gold or a tan? What would you say that is? You could tilt it down. It's like a goldish color. That's our favorite one. That one's badass. And then we've got the BMB classic olive green on a was is, is that a heather gray heather hat or whatever? Uh, t- yeah. So these are going to be at like an awesome event price of twenty dollars. You can't get a Richardson hat like that for twenty bucks anywhere. Um, unless you have it with no logo on it. Um. oh Sean wants to he's wearing you, you can't just look at the TV and hope that hope that you're going to see yourself it's not a mirror Um. <laughs> so yeah 20 bucks is the cost if you just want a hat but if you come in you spend a hundred dollars which is three tickets worth we're just going to give it to you for free
0: and at and that point you're getting $40 worth of stuff for free
2: absolutely I mean that's a that's a win-win so um, it's a way we can get more more money in the pocket of Starlight more hats out in the crowd but come check it out! Awesome hats, uh, and we got to give a shout out. Creative Monograms here locally in Billings, Montana. I called them on Sunday. I said, "Listen, we ran out of hats last weekend. We need something for our customers. We need something for our listeners. Come this turkey raffle," and they came through big time. Overnight, we got these hats. So thank you. Shout out to Heather at Creative Monograms. You guys, big are the thank best. you. They did great. So I think that's. I mean, we've run down. We're gonna, this is gonna be a two and a half hour podcast. This interview is insane. I just,
1: I really am excited to. It is worth the this, watch, one hundred percent. Offer this to the, our listeners and everything. I mean, this is one of our one of our favorite moments that we've had throughout the BNB podcast. Um, very interesting um individual, and uh, I think
2: you guys are really gonna enjoy it. Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, if you're if you're interested in the outdoors, you can't get any better with with learning about this company. We we were baffled in a lot of ways. We we like i said we we're kind of like i kind of feel embarrassed that i didn't do more research because what i thought they were was only a, a small skosh. percentage of what they really are for sure um so check it out i'm just going to say right now check out right on trek uh we talked about it at the end of the podcast but right on trek on instagram facebook go to their website if you're an outdoorsman if you're a backpacker go check them out listen to this interview um i think that's all we've got
0: yeah yeah and for our uh, youtube listeners Make sure you hit that little subscribe button down there.
2: Absolutely, like and subscribe. Check out all of our socials. Yeah, hit that (laughs) subscription bell. (laughs) We'll be a bunch of (laughs) LA influencers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, check out this interview right now. Thanks, guys. Today we are here with the owner and operator of Right on Trek, Victoria Liveshits. Victoria, how are you? I'm wonderful. How you
3: guys doing? Thank you for having me.
2: Uh, we're doing great. Uh, let's start. Let's start. Let's just get right into it right now. Yeah. And first of all, I think that the most important thing for our listeners right now is to know what is right on trek and why do we even have you on here today. What What is right on trek all about?
3: <laughs> That's a great question. So right on trek is a young company. Ah, uh, you could say we're we're still startup in early stages with big dreams to um open up the great outdoors to participation of um, a lot more people that want to do more in the outdoors but don't for a variety of reasons and so we're looking at it as uh, reducing the barriers to get out have epic adventures enjoy uh, themselves enjoy amazing time with friends and family away from cities away from screens but also, and it's really, really critical do it in a in a sustainable way um do it responsibly, go have epic adventures and uh come back bringing nothing but uh, memories and footprints and so a big part of our mission is enabling people to go and have wonderful time you know in the wilderness or or outdoor recreation areas, but at the same time also enabling and educating them of how to do that with uh, with the uh, environmental responsibility in mind,
2: that's awesome. What uh, what do you offer as far as uh, product goes with the company?
3: Well, so the story is changing because we have we have the ultimate vision of what we want to offer, uh, which is very comprehensive and uh, multi-step, and then we are making baby steps towards it. So it's very much the story that's been that's been written in baby steps. But if you look at what we are offering now. We have um, we have three product lines, uh, one which is most mature and most people know about us through our uh, adventure meal product product line. We've created kind of new way for people to eat in the wilderness, um, and we manufacture uh, all of food here in northern Montana, where company's headquarters are, 40 minutes away from uh, Glacier National Park, and and, and essentially. Um, uh, outdoorsmen have been relegated, uh, in the last few, I don't know, decades, probably to m- mostly eating freeze-dry meals, uh, rehydrated out of the, out of the foil packages. Um, and while you can eat that, that that's certainly not good for your diet and not good for the environment. and It's just not a really good way to, to eat in the wilderness. Um so we've we've created uh, a a much healthier alternative where you can cook food essentially fresh using backcountry stove same equipment that you would have in a backcountry with you when you're um you know boiling water for tea or or to rehydrate your meals but instead of boiling the water and putting it in a pouch you know letting it stay for 10 15 20 minutes to rehydrate you essentially use active active heat to put your Put your stove, put your pot with boiling water, and then use sort of a cooking kit from, from Right on Track. Open the pouch, put the content in the boiled water. It it only takes three to five minutes for the majority of recipes. It uh, is actually faster to cook it on the trail than it is to rehydrate. But because we are using active heat um, and quick cooking ingredients, the food cooks completely fresh from scratch. And so the uh, the impact is kind of night and day. So it's been, uh, we have a family of products, hand uh, dinners and six breakfasts, and uh, we've started producing them and selling them last year, and they've been kind of flying off the shelves. We should be in every one of the, uh, of the 50 states by the end of this year, uh, or come very, very close. It's gotten rave reviews from anybody, from backpackers, long-distance hikers, hunters, fishermen uh rangers firefighters uh so we we're really excited that we sort of found found the right way to to feed people in the wilderness so one thing that i noticed that uh
1: you guys do differently than some of your competitors is you guys offer like different size of meals it's not like just the one package is kind of what i saw on your website when i was clicking through is like you can buy um is it like the one person meal and then you're up to like the
3: two and then into the four yeah, we have four, four sizings. There's a, what we have basically for one person, for two people or for a group of four people. Also, the sizings are very, very different. Now, food is engineered in every sense of this word, uh, to be completely balanced, not only with respect to nutrition and your macros, um, and the quality of food you would more, more likely encounter in a trendy restaurant than, than in a, in a pouch, um, but also, calories count a great deal. Um, it is very often that our 1p meal will have very similar calorie count to what other competitors, like Mountain House, would, would position as a 2p meal. Uh, so they're much, much more filling. Um, that's, that's, that's another differentiator. And I would also say the third one, and it's huge, is actually the packaging itself. Um, we are the first company to figure out how to do the uh, fully bio based and uh, home compostable uh, packaging. It's ultra light. It combusts very cleanly. So, if you're putting up any sort of a campfire, you could just burn it very cleanly. Um, and um, it, it's super light, so it doesn't weigh It doesn't weigh almost anything. So, you're not actually carrying kind of a soiled heavy um metal pouches after the food you've, you've consumed from something like mountain house uh, but if you bring it back you can compost it home compost it uh, it consists of three layers of plastic if you will and two out of the three are fully compostable the third one today is not but there's a new plastic substitute on the roadmap where within two to three years we believe that we can we can make our packaging completely 100 percent um um home compostable post consumption this is kind of a really big deal um and it's a nice uh, bonus if you will of uh, of buying buying foods with us
2: i think that uh, that's really cool to hear because we actually had a guest on um about 3 weeks ago who owns a fly fishing company and all of his clothing is based on like uh, environmental friendly bamboo Uh, stuff like that. And it's cool to hear that there's more local companies that are really focused towards, because us all as outdoorsmen, we want to be able to do this forever. And to be able to do that, um, you need to, you know, protect our environment.
3: Absolutely. This goes back to what I said, you know, our mission is to put a lot more people in the, in in the outdoors, uh, but also do it so that the environmental impact of all of it is uh, dramatically smaller. And if you look at where outdoors uh, recreation industry innovation is, um, it's in the sustainability more than any other aspect. If you walk the floors of the Outdoor Retailer Conference this year, it's all about sustainability. And by the way, for our packaging and our products and our meals, we've been uh, selected as the top 50 uh, nominees of the Product of the Year Award from the uh, from the Outdoor Retailer. So uh, this, this this is just a really, really big and important trend. And we are we are leading the charge there. So that's first product line, and it's the one that is sort of most ready. You can buy our meals on, uh, you know, in our store at rideontrack.com. You can buy it in a lot of different stores throughout the West today in um, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, now Colorado, California. Uh, but uh, we are also getting into a lot of other stores or several REIs that are starting to carry our products. We are in discussion with some other big. Uh, big box outdoors retailers to to carry our meal, so that's that's kind of the first exciting success story I would say uh, of the singular product. The the next piece, the next uh, service line, and we are just getting started on it. We are piloting it, and and the way we the way we way we're bringing products to market um, consistent with my personal experience as the serial entrepreneur. You know, we could talk a little. A little bit about that later, but I have experience building over twelve companies over over the years of all sorts. So I brought a lot of products to market in my in my lifetime, uh, and uh, you know the way you do it is that you you prove that the market needs what you what you're building, and you iterate relentlessly until you've kind of nailed it. And and we did it with meals. It took us over four years to make sure that we found the right formula. And now we're doing it with the second piece of enablement and that is a technical gear. And it is particularly focusing on three target markets on people who are backpacking, people who are camping, uh like car camping, or um coming to rent a jeep or have the, you know, overlander type of uh type of type of equipment and they want to they want to camp and so they have a they need a, a really good camping gear. Or they, they want like a day packing kit, something that would have a backpack, something that would have maybe a, a, a stove that they can take for a picnic with them, um, you know, all the utensils, like the stuff that you would, the cooler stuff that you, you would want to have for a day. Um, so this equipment traditionally isn't really readily accessible on a rental basis. Um, if you are new to backpacking and you wanted to try to go backpacking somewhere, you know Yellowstone, Yosemite, Glacier National Park, uh, the barrier of entry is huge. It's very multifaceted. Uh, one of them is access to technical gear. You you need to drop something around fifteen hundred dollars per person uh, just to get, and that's a kind of a I don't know low stake if you will to get somewhat modern, somewhat light equipment. That's a big bar. Um, we believe that. Technical gear should just be a commodity. It should be able to rent it near, you know, nearest recreation recreation area. Um, And we are starting by building essentially a combination of the inventory for rental. Plus, essentially equivalent of what you would think in the cities as smart lockers. We call them wilderness lockers um so the the story goes and, and the first one is launching this summer uh here in northern montana in a proximity of glacier national park available to three million user uh, visitors who are coming here to recreate every year you can go online on RideOnTrack.com. you can set up essentially what kind of gear you want uh you know sizes and models and the type of gear and you want to you know, two 1p tents or one 2p tent or 4p tent for a family, or or whatever the case might be. Select the dates when you when you need it, and like put your put your order in place. And then you land in a Glacier National Airport, um, and then you drive to what we call the edge of the wilderness. That's uh, sort of a smart lockers uh, installation, and um, you have a code, and everything that you order is kind of waiting for you so you walk in you check out you pick up your you pick up your stuff you can pick up all the other things that you need for example food uh first aid kits uh bear sprays gas uh maps so you 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 buy all the all the things that you actually need you pick up the stuff that you that you've pre-ordered you you go have a wonderful time and uh, on the way back you just drop whatever you don't need uh you know and off you go and uh as i said we are piloting our first concept of the wilderness edge um, and the equipment rental here this year and we'll probably do it for a couple of years but if it goes well and we prove out the model you know the big idea is to have that near every national park there's one near Yosemite and Mammoth Lakes and Grand Canyon and uh, Yellowstone Aspen right you name it and if we can get there then the model becomes active family who loves to recreate they just have their profile on RideOnTrack.com, and they can go and find the next great adventure that they want to do. And they already know what they need, and we know what they need. So five clicks, they've reserved everything they need. Uh, they just pick the nearest location where we have wilderness lockers. They they drive to it, pick up stuff they need, go have fun, and drop it off, and go to the next vacation somewhere else. Does that make sense? That is oh, yeah. no, that's that's that, amazing. That's a super that is cool
1: incredibly. Idea. Brilliant. I mean, the the hardest part I would say about, um, you know, you're recreating whether it's camping, hiking, you know, going in hiking up to a lake in the in the mountains and maybe popping a tent up for the night. Yeah. The the hardest part about it is having to make sure you've packed everything. And in that instance, like That's right. somebody else is almost doing it for you, and it exactly. the ease of it. I mean, I could see that. Especially with you, where your guys' locations you're thinking of, like outside of um, national parks and things like that, yep. that could boost the numbers of um, people that come and check out these national parks. That's
3: and- how I think about it. Yeah. I think that we really are going to lower the barrier for people. This is this is back to, you know, ask what we are trying to do in the big, big dream. Lots and lots of people want to do this. I mean, I have all these friends that I will casually ask, you know, what are they planning to do for the summer? And they'll get these dreamy eyes and says, we were thinking about doing XYZ. We really want to take our kids camping. But then they end up not doing it because the logistics is just insane. Right. Um, So we are thinking of like price points for the latest, greatest, uh, you know, ultralight modern equipment. Uh, you know, down to, I don't know, you know, Patagonia sleeping bags and uh, satellite navigators and the less trendiest, you know, backpacks. Um, you know, the the old, you know, light setup that, again, will take you well over a grand to, to go try to put together $50 per person per day.
0: Wow, right? that's and crazy. That is pri- incredible.
3: the price point like that, it should just be a, sort of a no-brainer commodity.
2: Yeah, and I think that... um we can relate on a lot of lot of realms here as hunters, outdoorsmen, fishermen. Um, when we talk about gear, where it's, mm-hmm. you know, you think about, and and I'll ask you this, Sean, like think about how much you spent on backpacks, camouflage, uh, trekking poles, uh, knives, this and that. And, you know, to go jump back over to the hiking realm and the camping realm, I mean, to not have to, to purchase all that gear and have to store all that gear It's a big deal.
1: The only reason that I am capable of contending with my friends that they're, they're outdoorsmen, they're not hunters, they're not fishermen really, but they, they love the like backpacking in somewhere and camping for a couple nights or something on a weekend. The only reason that I can hang out with them is because of the amount of money I've spent on hunting. Right. You know, it, that stuff translates into the, into the backpack realm is, is the same way, you know, I mean, you're not obviously needing to take as many knives and things like that. So you get a little lighter, but that's realistically, it would be hard for somebody that, I mean, for a lack of a better term, call them like a city slicker, you know, where they live in the, live in the yep. city. They, exactly. You, and you, they need to go out and spend, like Victoria said, at, at least a thousand dollars to have, I mean, somewhat of the essentials for it. And that's right. In this case, that's why they don't go out and do those things is because they're like, well, I don't want to go spend all this money. I don't, I I might, for one time, I might do this once. I could hate it. You never know. So, that, I mean, what Right on Trek is doing with that, that's just, that's going to open up so much more.
3: And and you know what? You know what? On top of that, you actually, when you're getting started, you actually have no idea what you need. So, it's not even the money. You're probably going to spend it badly. Um, So, there is that. And then if you go and spend it, that gear is going to sit in your closet. It's going to get terribly underused, and eventually, it's also going to end up in the landfills. So it's just really bad for environment. It's bad for consumer, you know, wallet. It's, um, you know, it's just bad. <laughs>
2: right. I guess like a question I have, and not in a negative yeah. way by any means, but um, yeah. let's say someone takes out your gear this summer and ruins yeah. it. What is the policy on that? Yeah
3: yeah, it's a really good question. so two two answers to that. There is kind of a normal wear and tear that's very much expected. And what we offer and include in a bundle is a is is basically an insurance against that. we We add ten percent of the gear rental essentially for this kinds of accidents. Mm-hmm. And so as long as you're buying that insurance policy, if you will, you know, normal tear is simply going to be covered and that's sufficient for us to, to repair your place and whatnot. Now, there's a different story if you just flat out lost something. Or we had a case where there was a group of uh, college students on spring break that wanted to go to High Sierra, uh, rented some latest, greatest stuff from us, and then did, pardon my French, that things like, Uh, they went early season. So it was cold. So in the evening they would put up the fire, wrap themselves in the sleeping bags, sit next to the fire and they burn, you know, brand new $500 each sleeping bags. Oh Um, if you're going to do something like that, we're going to charge you for the, for the price of the ruined, ruined product.
2: Yeah, understandably so, too. I mean, if you're uh, – because I, I only ask because, like, I have a little bit of background in knowledge of, like, yep. uh, ATV side-by-side yep. snowmobile rentals. And so yep. I, I'm always curious at how anyone wants – and I think that you're kind of mainstreaming what any how anyone else would handle it in a good way. Yeah,
3: so we're – it's a really good question. So when we pick our inventory, we obviously keep an eye towards uh, how it will do in rentals um and uh, and it's important sometimes not we can go for example you know the latest greatest in ultralight uh backpacking is uh, uh is coupon fiber right for the material dcf fabrics um it's incredibly expensive but we could we could deal with expense unfortunately it's brittle and you do this and put it in the hands of the customers and that's not an equipment that their own right and they're not expected to even know or care as much yeah, it's not feasible to use these kinds of materials for rental. So we have to look at stuff that is fairly rugged, simple, you know, hard to break, easy to replace. Um, so we look at materials. We we look at sustainability again as much as possible. We try to work with brands that are sustainable. I tell you what, my, my absolute dream is one day when right on track, gear rental takes off in a big way and it becomes commodity, and we are dealing with really, really, really large volumes. I want to go and redesign technical gear completely from scratch in house, and design it to be basically a system, so that you know the tent is designed to work with the mattress and designed to fit the backpack perfectly. And if we had a chance to do that, that we would select the right materials, we would design it to be field replaceable, right? Easy to clean, you know, easy to replace piece which which has frequent you know wear and tears. None of it is a thing with the commercially available um you know technical gear today. So, baby steps. first, we have to pick the best that we can find uh, on the on the market today. And as we grow in scale, hopefully that will present opportunities for us to 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 innovate on the on a gear market as well. Well,
2: and I think what you guys have going good for you and 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 I'm just assuming in a way here, um is that you have a group of people that are just the way you're talking, very passionate about outdoors and camping. Um, And hiking and whatnot. So I think that, you know, cause a a company could come together, design something like this and put Walmart stuff, you know what I mean? Into a, into a a rental and whatnot. And I think what you're doing in a way you guys have an understanding you're doing uh, the adventures, you, you know, what gear is going to work and what's going to make that. Uh, adventure for that family A- that person. everybody
3: in the company is outdoorsman. outdoorsman. everybody goes out you know right on track was conceived uh when me and my friends were backpacking john muir trail some some number of years ago and um uh, we were all just talking about how horrendously difficult it was to plan this trip and uh you know why aren't more people doing it or you know how that's done and so bits by you know pieces by pieces things things have emerged from there but uh You know, when I go on my backpacking trips, I eat my food, (laughs) I use my gear, uh, I use my maps. We'll talk about the the third piece, which is a software piece in a moment. Uh, But yeah, we're very much, you know, in tech, there is this expression. It's a funny expression. It's meant very, um, you know, virtually, if you will. It's just eat your own dog food. And in tech, that means use your own technology. You know, if you're a database company, then use your own database kind of a thing. Um, If you're a tech company, use your own tech. Um, but in the outdoors, we get to do this very literally. <laughs> we get to use and eat our own dog food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I find it is so wonderful to be, you know, to be building something that that me and my friends use every day.
2: No, that's awesome. I think that, uh, like I said, the, the ability to... To share, I mean, because I don't know, let's say I have John comes out and he's never hi- backpacked or anything like that, right? Um, he could get turned into so many different directions on, you know, reading yep. stuff online, getting told by your buddy, whatever, and get have a miserable experience. I think that what you're doing is setting up a high percentage chance for everybody to have a good time and keep coming back to the outdoors and enjoying what, uh, uh, our region has to offer, really.
3: I definitely hope so. And then we're also partnering. So we are partnering, we're starting to partner with guides because when guides, guides are in business of taking people in the back country, um, but they have to assume that their clients have the gear, right? And their clients often don't. And the guides are very incentivized to make sure that the gear is latest, greatest, and you know most reliable. But they cannot really provide it to their clients. So it becomes both a barrier for clients to go on these kinds of trips and a problem for the guides because, you know, you never quite know what kind of problem you're going to face with, you know, client bringing, you know, wrong or unreliable or or whatever gear. So uh, we think that we might actually quite a bit change guiding industry because it'll be a lot easier to spun up a guiding service around specific expertise. Uh, and they can team up with us and basically just pass on the food and gear to us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can provide white glove delivery. And it's one of the things that we are doing this year for the first time in uh, 500 miles from uh, from uh, Whitefish, Montana. And, and so that touches all of Montana, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Wyoming, uh, maybe pieces of Colorado. I'm not sure. The things that we can actually get to like with a one-day drive. Uh, provided that the group of people is big enough. Um, like we're putting the bar at, I think, 32 man nights. So like eight people going out for four days or six people going for, you know, like five days or something like that to make it commercially viable. We'll actually bring all the food and equipment to the gearhead, to the, to the trailhead, right? Uh, outfit you, and then a week later, come back and pick it all up. Um so these kinds of services is just not existent anywhere. And and hopefully that's another way that we'll sort of lower the barrier. We're teaming up with organizations that take kids to the wilderness camps in the summertime. Right. And again, we can we can take take care of all the logistical parts and food, food and food and supplies and, and the gear so that they can all focus on, you know, curation of the of the experience.
2: Yeah. Um I'd say that what's kind of a, f- a funny experience, not funny, but an interesting thing for Ramsey and I is that we do, we were given a background in this kind of thing a little bit growing up because we were in Boy Scouts. We're both Eagle Scouts. Mm-hmm. And so we got an introductory into backpacking, uh, you know, packing tents, meals, sleeping bags, stuff like that. Um, which kind of sets us apart from our kind of normal talk about hunting mm-hmm. and fishing and stuff. But, uh, this this is really fascinating to us. I mean, there's a little bit of what you know. We a little bit of research that we could do on our own about right on track. Um, I mean, and yeah, please go if, to
3: rightontrack.com. You will find just a lot of information. And we've also been fortunate that a lot of people who've heard in, around uh, about us, like they've they've like influencers and whatnot, they've reached out. And there's been increasing array of coverage from just kind of a community because it's so like different and innovative.
2: Yeah. I think it's awesome. I mean, let me go back real quick about, um, I think that we've kind of been in talks about doing this podcast for pretty much six months now. Um, as far as, uh, I've been talking to a connection of yours and trying to get this thing situated. And just in that short six months of keeping an eye on like what right on track is doing, it seems like, and I don't know if you guys noticed this too, but it seems like you guys have grown exponentially just in the last six months. It seems like um social media
3: wise yeah it, it has been but you also have to put it in perspective we're a super young company we literally came out of stealth last year so we've been working on that probably for five but the first uh, like three and a half years it was just lab and experiments and and taking focus groups of people out and just fine-tuning product market fit. we only came out to market really like Fourteen months ago, like really, like like winter of last year, mm. is the first time that we really sort of you know started to go to market. So we we're very very young, and it's super exciting to see the momentum for sure.
1: Have you seen? Um, I mean, what what are the biggest challenges starting a business in in this type of industry? With with you know how your competitors um, have obviously yep. been doing it for a while and things like that. I mean, what do you see is a is the biggest problem?
3: Let me take that, pro- that question. Let me return to it in a minute. But I have not finished giving you a rundown of our products. Uh, and there's a third one that I need to talk to you about because it's super exciting. It's very unique. And it really ties all the pieces together. And then I'll come back and discuss kind of what does it take to start a company like that? What's the, uh, yeah, sort of what's the roadmap? What's the competition? If that's okay. For sure. Uh, so we talked about meals. We talked about gear rental. Uh, now I want to talk about software and uh you know i'm a technologist at heart uh i spent career in silicon valley i've retired from silicon valley and moved to montana and i thought i will never do tech again at least not pure tech and i'll just hike mountains and that's the end of it but i really don't know how to do retirement right um <laughs> but, uh, anyways long story short uh lots and lots and lots of expertise in big tech i also i built a company that went public, one of the major tech companies these days, I don't know major, but tech company, um, also build technologies for some of the biggest uh, companies you can think of, Microsoft, Google, um, whatnot. Uh, uh, And uh, long story short on this, the way I think about the opportunities to really bring all sorts of services to where the recreation happens. Recreation happens outside the big cities, right? It happens in rural America. It happens in trail towns. It happens in the little trailheads. Um, these are very small economies. They're, in some sense, very old-fashioned economies. If you are coming to Glacier National Park and you look at wilderness services, anything from hiring a guide, you know, renting a kayak, uh, going on a fishing, maybe charter, um, what have you. uh, These are all small moms and pop shops, right? They're really not connected in the big internet in any way, in any big way. Internet is becoming better and better, but there's parts of it that are really super, super sketchy in terms of internet coverage. And yet this is where major spend of consumer dollars on outdoor recreation are, right? And it's actually a very, very large number. My my numbling number is something like $1 trillion economy is outdoor recreation. Wow. If you just look at the amount of money that is that is spent. Jeez. Um. Anyways, where I'm going with this is that if you want to make it easier to go out and provide services, anything from food and gear rental, but then really giving people ability to plan their trip, you know, invite their buddies, collaborate and chat about who is bringing what, figure out which permits do you need, like where, where do you rent a car, you know, where do you park the car. There's just tremendous amount of logistics that are involved in all of this, which we want to automate so that ultimately you get to get inspired about some amazing adventure that you want to go do, then go put all the pieces of that adventure together uh, you know, in a modern web environment, if you will. Then well, invite a bunch of friends uh, to come with you and then chat and collaborate and decide who is doing what. And then ultimately click a few buttons to procure things that you need. Uh, like rent equipment or maybe find a guide and uh, and uh, you know buy food and the other stuff that that you need. You kind of need a lot of software for that. And so we've been writing the software for a long time. And it starts with the notion of I call it digitizing the wilderness. Um, and if you think about cities infrastructure, the reason why you know Amazon can deliver any product you want for you using Amazon Prime you know, or Uber Eats bring something to your doors, you know, within 90 minutes from you clicking some button, I want, you know, pizza or ice cream. That's because long, long time ago, Google like digitized every road, gas station, hotel, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is deep databases that capture all of this. And if you wanted to take a road trip, you know, I don't know, from Montana to, you know, Bay Area, California, you just go to Google Maps and you say, I want to start here, I want to end there, and it's going to draw draw the road for you. And, and you know how long it takes, and you know all the stops, and you know all the gas stations, restaurants, and hotels, right? Know that logistics can be laid out for you. And the reason why that's possible is because Google sort of digitized civilized world. But the recreational world has not been digitized. Google certainly haven't done that. So there is no database that actually tells you, you know, if you're going to be in this place, it's the it's the grizzly bear country. You need to have such and such things with you. You know, and, and here is a park that has such and such rules and you can't have a campsite or so you you cannot. You can have a campfire or you cannot. You know, Ranger Station opens, you know, this time of the year on these hours and there is a restroom in this particular place or, or there isn't. Right. So sort of equivalent of digitizing city infrastructure has not been made to digitize essentially the outdoor recreation wilderness world and how it's applicable for things that people want to do in this. Um, so we've been doing this for for five years. We've been essentially digitizing wilderness and and building uh, very deep databases that has amazing information about public lands, uh state, federal, uh, local, and how that could be used legally for outdoor recreation opportunities. And then once we have databases like that, then we can create tools, and we have we we, we, we are about to release something. We haven't done this yet, but we're very excited. Right around May, we are releasing what we call Wilderness Studio. And it's a set of applications and tools that will allow people to go online and just really get inspired by multi-day itineraries of cool adventures that they can go do and tools where they can put them together almost as easily as you can put the road trip uh, you know, with Google Maps. Um, and then explore you know, thousands and thousands of points of interest and in wilderness objects around you. Um, and then create three plans, and then invite your buddies, and and uh, and uh, kind of do all the planning using using the studio. So that's like the third big piece. It's uh it's not quite been even publicly released. I don't think anybody have seen this or really talked to us about this yet. But like give us another two to three months. Uh, and now this piece is gonna come together. And if you kind of follow my logic. A a little bit, and give me credit, but we'll we'll do a good job of building this wilderness studio. Now you can see how pieces of the full vision is coming together, because the hope is is that let's just say you know Urpel family in Chicago, you know, husband loves hunting and fishing, wife is into trail running. They have boys that like to bike in the summertime and ski in the wintertime, and they're active and they love to go to different national parks and, and go do stuff. So they can have a platform right right on track where they go to find amazing adventures and find these exciting itineraries or with a few clicks, put them together for themselves. And then they can uh, and then they can, um, you know, invite their buddies. uh, And uh, frankly, the platform probably already knows, you know, the shoe size of the husband and the fact that the wife is, you know, vegan uh and whatever boys are vegetarian and so they can put together their meals they can put together their gear packages and uh just select the next the uh, next recreation area and adventure and uh with a few clicks arrange everything that they need then come drive to the uh, to the edge pick up the stuff that they need you know go have a fantastic time return everything and six months from now rinse and repeat that's really kind of the the full vision that we are working towards does that make sense?
1: yeah, definitely. So I think the coolest thing um, that you were explaining there is is basically what Google has done for the um, you know cities and like the interstates and all that stuff. The only way that you can get the information that you need for a current trailhead or multiple trailhead locations is you actually have to drive to the site and you'll see the big sign that will give you the list of everything that you need to know for that area. So that makes a whole lot of sense to be able to, because somebody that would go out and not know the area they're, they're wanting to, you know, explore yeah. that weekend, they would have to drive all yeah. the way out there and then figure out exactly what they need in order to come back if it's a bear area or something like that. So that makes that that is super smart because then people can come prepared and not have to make an extra trip or you know not want to yeah. explore a new area because they don't know anything about it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And we're partnering with Leave No Trace. So, for example, amongst other organizations. So, if we know that you are building a basically a plan in a specific area, then we're actually going to put very very specific information anything from the packing list to a you know specifically you no know, trace instructions of how how do you do this safely you know the next step we're partnering with organizations who will bring us safety content like for example beer, beer safety videos uh, if we actually know that you're tracking through a black bear uh populated area we'll give you one set of instructions but if we know that you're going to the grizzly country that's a whole other story and uh we're going to make sure that we include uh, not only basic education, but like uh bear spray, right in your standard gear kit. Stuff like that.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean that's that's super, super smart. I mean
0: it, it takes the guesswork out of everything. It
1: does. I mean, it's either you know, what do you do? You do you an area that you don't know and you're going to yep. hike at, do you just pack everything in every scenario possible? And you know, take two and a half, three hours to pack the car up or, or not pack right. enough. Or not pack, you know, the bear spray. Like I don't I'm going to this trailhead over in this area. I've never been there before. I don't know if there's bears there or not. I don't really feel like bringing my bear spray, you know, or something like I mean that's kind of exaggerated. Yeah. But in that same instance, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, if that area has a lot of rain or something, make sure to bring the rain cover for the tent. Like yeah,
3: or if you're a desert and water sources in that time of the year isn't reliable, that's a whole bigger problem. Then sure. you need to have a lot more water, or you have to deal with water caching. That's a whole other thing. So yeah, depending on where you are, high desert, high snow year, you know, high water, uh, dangerous water crossing, you know, whatever the case might be, there's just so much that's involved in safe recreation in a in a wilderness that stuff like that matters a lot. And I don't know of anybody who have had quite the ambitions that we do. So cutting back to competition, right? And how do you, you know, how do you do this is a huge mission. Um, so I don't think we really straight out have competitor or somebody who has a very similar vision, right? You know, I'm kind of doing this because nobody else does. And I think it takes putting all these pieces together to really solve the problem kind of end to end. But then we have individual products. Uh, and within a realm of individual product, of course, we have, we have competition. Meals is probably the most straightforward thing. There is, uh, there's other meal vendors. So we just have to compete to make sure that our product is dev- better <laughs> in every way. Uh, the gear is really interesting. Our biggest challenge with gear rental isn't competition because it doesn't exist. Gear rental is not a commodity. There are little stores that will rent you, you know, a little bit here and there in the local local shops. But as an industry, this doesn't exist. It's more of a demand creation. It's more like educating people that that's even possible, right? Because most of them don't know. So, so many times I hear the story that people come to Glacier National Park on vacation. Um, you know, they don't go camping because they're like, well, yeah, I have a camping equipment, but I mean, it's back home in Maryland. You know, I didn't bring it here. Well, you can rent everything. It's like, huh? I never heard of this, right? So they don't know what they don't know. You know, that has not become a piece of commoditized infrastructure. So, uh, you know, building it and educating people that you could actually go do that is uh, is um, probably our biggest challenge here. I
1: could definitely see that because, I mean, like we said, it's it just makes more people want to be involved in the outdoors and things like that. And I can see... Um, where that could be difficult to try and you know figure out all the small details revolving around yeah. it, um like Riley said about the you know having an insurance in a way for you know damaged items things like that um and then- obviously just knowing what somebody's gonna need in that area that they have you know booked that i mean you never know what everybody's different opinions and needs are um but I think that's it's really cool I mean, that you
0: guys even in like personally like between me and you when we go up to the mountains how often do we go and we're like all right we need to make a list of everything we need and we still get out there and we're like I mean we've been doing this for years and we're still like dang we forgot this or wow we brought way too much stuff right I mean even even as an experienced outdoorsman it would be something I would look to and be like well what do these guys think what do they think that I need right and yeah. it just gives you a hub for all of that
3: yeah, we even make some products. Uh, you know, we back to meals, so we we make dinners and 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 breakfast at home at home, so to speak. You know, in, in our in our facility, but we also make these day kits. I, I wish I I actually had them a- around me. I, I sort of don't have one to grab. I should have thought about this, uh, and then I could have dangled it. But essentially, it's a mesh bag, and in that mesh bag is everything somebody needs in a day. So it's a hot breakfast and hot dinner. But it's also bars, snacks, uh, you know, jerky, whatever the case might be. Uh, It's designed to be around 2,500 calories. And it's sort of one thing that you could grab and go. And it's got everything you need for a day. And we make 10 different varieties of these things. So literally one of the things that you could do, you know, heading out, the entire meal preparation boils down to I'm going for five days, I'm going to grab these five bags. <laughs> Four of us are going, let me grab 20 bags, right? And like, it's good stuff. It's well-engineered. I mean, if you had foresight, you can go to our website. You can plan every facet of it. But alternatively, you just go can go just grab five different bags. And you're probably going to be very, very pleased with experience. Um, and then the next piece of it, we have what we call wilderness essentials. It's the similar mesh bag that contains close to 20 items that you simply need to have there. Anything from a biodegradable soap to a lip balm, um, um, spare batteries for your, uh, you know, for your headlights. Uh, I won't even list all the things like sunscreen, um, bug net, Uh, like all the things, like you said, you probably have thought about and forgot about half of them. Yeah. Uh, we haven't we put this together it costs whatever 45 or 50 50 bucks you just grab one per person and you're like done every backcountry essential that you that you ever needed out there is just covered it sounds like in a
1: way that the mission statement for ride on trek is everything you'll ever need in the outdoors. <laughs> I mean it's that's right. that sounds incredible. I mean
3: there's a lot enabling, of enabling enabling people to have that's literally what it is. It's enabling people to have transformative experiences for people of all walks of lives and experiences um and come back with zero environmental impact. For sure and I think there's that's a, the mission right there.
2: I think there's a very real possibility that in the next couple of years that when you think of outdoor recreation, uh, you really, one of the main ones that's going to come to mind is right on track. I mean, it's going to be, if you guys uh, accomplish your, your vision, I don't see why this wouldn't be the, I don't know how to explain this. Like as big as like the Cabela's of outdoor or, you know, yeah, for just sure. like overtaking the outdoor
3: industry. It's such an interesting concept. Oh, um, <laughs> well, thank you very much. I hope you're right. That's definitely like the the big dream is precisely that. And uh, I'm very pleased that doing this for five years, which in a, I mean, it sounds like a big time, but but it really isn't given how how big the mission is and how capital uh, expensive something like that would be, and we have to figure out how to do that like very frugally in baby steps. We, you know, I did not go out and raise I don't know a gazillion of money. Uh, we're just doing this, you know, frugally, smartly. We have relatively small team given to how much has been accomplished. Um, you know, the meals are taking off. My hope is that within a couple of years, we can be you know, profitable enough of the meals that we can just continue to self-fund ourselves uh, on that mission.
2: Exactly, yeah. Um, so before we go um, to like a favorite segment of ours, where we're just gonna rapid question you, I'd like to get a little uh-huh. background on you yourself. What brought you to this passion for the outdoors? And I mean, there had to be a point, you know, we usually talk to people, interviews and whatnot, and it seems like a lot of their life-changing adventure and following their passions happened in their like mid-20s, early 20s. Um, and I just like to know, like, what was that point for you to where you started following your passions and became, I mean, you spoke earlier about, yeah. um, you started there, many businesses and stuff like that. We're, let's get a story on that. There's That's...
3: definitely a story. Yeah. There's a story in the pivotal moments. Yeah. Tell, happy to tell you about my, you know, myself. So I grew up in Lithuania on the shores of, uh, Baltic sea, very pretty country, um, my uh, my father and mother, you know, loved the, the the outdoors. I would go fishing with my dad. Um, I would go foraging for mushrooms and berries with with my mom. I'd spend endless summers, you know, going through school, doing this stuff. So, uh, you know, with we, with we, camp a lot. So I kind of grew up loving all these things. And then and then adult life, adult life had zero room for any of that. I uh, I got married very early. Uh, I was 18, I, I had a kid at 19, uh, you know, Soviet Union sort of collapsed right around that time. The whole Iron Curtain sort of, you know, came down hard. it was kind of amazing thing to watch. We had opportunity to leave the country, you know, right before Soviet Union collapsed and, and come to America as political refugees. And so me, my husband and, and then two and a half months daughter, uh, we came to Cleveland, Ohio in, uh, in 1991. Um, and outdoors was the farthest things of, of my mind um, for a number of reasons. There was, you know, hard survival, then going through school, you know, raising kids, uh, building up, you know, tech career, uh, moving to Detroit at some point in time, started my career in, in automotive industry. Um, and then uh, my husband really was very outdoorsy. Um, and, uh, you know, our summer vacation says we started to do better in life and kids were coming up and we were able to take vacation and had some money to go do stuff. Uh, you know, we would go to Hawaii and, uh, you know, my family would lay on the beach or, or on the pool and I would go nuts. I was so bored. So I'd go fishing. <laughs> uh, one of my funnest experience was, was catching blue marlin off the coast oh, of, yeah. Oh, yeah. off the coast. I, that, that was that was another one of these amazing moments uh, in life. But anyhow, I, I want, always wanted to find my way back, but just life sort of didn't present many choices. And we have to go back uh, about seven or eight years ago. Oh, wow. Maybe even less. When was 2017? That wasn't that long ago, actually. Oh, wow. Really not that long ago. Um, anyways, I found myself being just in a very bad headspace myself. Uh, Ultimately, after 22 years, I've uh, gone through divorce. Uh, that was hard. And also, after you know, close to 30 years of uh, kind of a big tech coming off the effort of building the big tech company that ended up going 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 public, uh, sleeping three and a half hours a day for six hours straight. Mm. Um, I, I, I just I just have a breakdown at the time. Uh, so it was just a very difficult few years. Trying to, trying to recover from, uh, from, from that. And I was looking for inspiration. I had no idea where to find it. Uh, but, uh, you know, accidentally in the, in the spring of 2017, I just heard through the grapevine that three of my much, much younger friends uh, from, from, from tech company, uh, Grid Dynamics, that, that I was building and running at the time, they, they won a permit to John Muir Trail. And then we're gonna go hike this, you know, 230 mile High Sierra track. And I heard about this accidentally, and something about this just completely stuck. I think I I needed inspiration in my life. Uh, now, mind you, I have not backpacked to this point at all. I haven't been probably physically active for 30 years at that point in time. Um, so, but I just got intrigued, and I went and I talked to them about, you know, what is it. And they, you know, patiently explained to me, you know, what is high Sierra and what is backpacking. I was actually involved in, in doing John Muir Trail. They won the permit, which is very difficult to win for four people, and there were three of them, and they were kind of looking for the fourth, fourth partner. Obviously, nobody in a thousand years would think about me, but there was just something about this that that just ignited a spark. And uh, there was still five year, five months to go till the trip. And I asked if it was possible within realms of possibility, if I started like training athletically, that I could that I could get the four seat. Uh, Everybody was super skeptical, but, uh, you know, said sure. And they kind of gave me two months to try to get in shape uh, and go then on a kind of a trial hike to see if we could do 17 miles with a, you know, 35 pound backpack, uh, you know, doing whatever for for, for 4,000 feet of elevation. Um, so I just got really motivated and I started just every day going out and climbing any mountain that I could, that I could see. I lived in the Bay Area at the time, so there was actually plenty. And, you know, two months later, you know, sure enough, I kind of passed the, passed the test and they said, fine. Uh, and I continued to train. And then in August, 2017, we, we went and had the John Muir trail experience and that was completely life-changing. I, I, I got kind of hooked. Um, that did actually help me kind of find my way back to all good things, uh, and get, uh, get mentally healthy, get physically healthy, uh, you know, find new success in, in business at the time, you know, help the company public. But then I become kind of obsessed with becoming competent mountaineer. And for the next, you know, five years or so, I was, uh, I was working still full time as an entrepreneur, but I was, uh, Hiking about a thousand miles a, a year, sleeping about 30, 30 nights in a tent. Um, you know, climb Kilimanjaro, climb some some big mountains in Peru, um, tracked in um gates of the Arctic, uh, and polar polar Alaska, found my way to uh northern Patagonia. Um and uh, it was very much kind of life transformative. And and somewhere along this journey, I started to wonder. Why don't more people do this? It's so healing. It's so liberating. It's so empowering. And that's kind of how I ended up uh, coming up with right on track.
2: Wow, that's wow. an amazing story. I was I was uh, stuck incredible. glued to the, TV, the the screen there for a second listening <laughs> out. That was I great. almost <laughs>
0: forgot I was on a podcast. <laughs> there know. for a I yeah, <laughs> <is, laughs> I was
1: watching a movie. <laughs> that is, it's crazy to think that that you weren't like you were not really into backpacking or anything. If for you know and five years ago is when you kind of got into it. It's my
3: my, my first backpacking trip was with John Muir trail As insane as it sounds. Yes.
1: (laughs) It's cool though, because you obviously built that passion for it so fast, you know? And um, I mean, I think we, the three of us kind of share that um, with, you know, different aspects of hunting. I think we kind of all just like one day when the three of us were together, we kind of just clicked and we're like, this is so addicting. I never want to stop. Yep. You know what I mean.
2: When I think that we've talked about this before with with other guests, like once the outdoors hooks you, and you can let yourself like succumb to the spiritualness of of what it brings to you, uh, it's like nothing else on this planet. I I think personally, definitely.
3: I, I kind of have a theory about this, and I have no idea if it's correct from scientific perspective or not. But having gone through the same experience, basically been a you know complete city dweller, you know couch potato. Uh, And again, I I do go back that I had different childhood, right? It definitely smells of, you know, campfire smells of childhood for me. Uh, And that's very, very important. uh, uh, I think if we, if we have privilege of experiencing these things as we, as we grow up, it kind of, you know, sticks with you throughout life. But for all intents and purposes, as an adult, this was really not part of my life at all. And I was immersed in it very, uh, you know, kind of very rapidly. And what, What I think I I, I discovered is that I think as sort of a biological machine as a species, you know, we are built for sort of a trail life, right? Evolutionarily, you know, we we are designed to spend a day, you know, walking from a place to a place and then, uh, you know, put up the the, the camp and, uh, you know, spend the night there and and pick up in the morning and, and go somewhere. A lot of our biological machinery is still very much designed to do that. And it's completely unused in a civilized life, right? We we put ourselves where our lifestyles have evolved much faster than our biological machinery had a chance to, to adopt. So when we discover our way back to wilderness, something incredibly primal happens. We sort of come home in ways which are completely unexpected because, you know, we and maybe generations, maybe millennials, of so, you know, my predecessors haven't done that, but it's still somewhere deep, deep in my, in my, in my genes. So At least it feels that way because the minute I, the minute uh, my car arrives to the trailhead, uh, you know, when I'm in the car driving to the trailhead, I'm still the civilized me. But the minute I come down and I put my, my hiking clothing and I put my backpack and I lock my car, and I step on the trail. I always think like I, I pass through some kind of a portal into Narnia <laughs> 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 and 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 now, you know, Narnia is a wonderful place to be. Uh, and and the trail life is just absolutely addictive and it's so pure, and it's such a happy place. and and eventually, we have to come down from the trailhead and, take that backpack off and open the car and sit in it. And, and and now we are back to civilization. But having this ability to transport ourselves to Narnia is just uh, such an empowering and healing experience. Yeah. At for, least that's how I feel about it.
1: For sure. Cause I, I can definitely relate on the uh kind of a quick created passion. Um Like I, I was, <sighs> I grow I grew up not really hunting. I was more of like a fisherman every once in a while. And it was, five years ago that, uh, I really got into hunting and it was especially that moment in archery season when you get up and you're in, you know, the middle of the mountains with screaming elk everywhere and things like that. Like it struck such a chord with me that it's like the addiction to it is, it's great. It's a great feeling to have that much passion and be able to build that passion so fast. And that's kind of where I've taken to like where I'm at now is like you said, it, it is spiritual. I mean, it really is.
2: Well, and I'll take, I would take our uh, our naps out. You know, Sean and I have talked many times that we've been sitting on some some water sources in the middle of the woods waiting for uh, whatever animal we're going after. And we end up sleeping there for six hours or something like that. I'll take that. I'll take sleeping in the woods uh, yeah. under the trees over anything, any day of the week. For sure.
1: It's. yeah. I don't know if there's a what feeling I, that can beat it, in a sense. I mean, it's the everybody always says it. The word's overused in the, I would say, in the hunting realm. But the camaraderie that it builds within people is, uh, yep, yeah. it's great. It really is.
3: Yeah, one of my huge pleasures these days, now that I live in the northern Montana, at the foothills of the um, uh, Glacier National Park. Actually, funny enough, I don't go backpacking in a park in the summertime very much. It's very competitive. Permits are impossible to get. You know, lots of people, uh, you know, for many reasons. If if I have some time, I'll I'll go to Bob Marshall, something like that. But then there is this marvelous time of winter, right? Winter in Montana. It's just absolutely spectacular. Winter in the mountains. I've got to really, really love mountains in the winter. So I'm actually one of very few people who do this. I don't know why, but I, I, every season I would go, you know, as often as I can uh, for multiple days into Glacier National Park in, in in the wintertime. And you have to apply for wilderness permit. And and when, when I do that, um, I go with a with a, with a friend and, and, and a guide, a local guide uh, Greg, Greg uh, fourteen. Um, we're all, all, always the only ones, so we would literally be the only people in the entire Glacier National Park for a day or a week and you go out there and there's no footprints there is only wolf prints uh elk prints moose prints uh uh, i don't know mountain lion prints you know bunnies that hop around everywhere and you're just there in a complete gorgeous like undescribable solitude with with nature and, and animals and it's just uh i don't know it's just amazing
1: there's a lot of the population that has never witnessed what you're what you were just explaining
2: yeah, I think there's a, and I always talk about this too, and this this relates to, I guess, hunting more than anything, but there's a lot of things that happen. Uh, like you were talking about elk screaming in the wilderness and stuff like that. That's something obviously you can experience without hunting, but um, think about the percentage of the people in, in the world that get to experience something like that. Like you were just talking, Victoria. I, I would say it's got to be less than 10? like 3%. I think, it's, I think it's lower than 10. They get to actually experience that kind of beautiful, amazing experience. Where you're kind of,
3: in in winter and uh, like maybe winter overnight in Montana is not for everybody, and maybe it should be, you know, for less than one percent of the population. But everybody can put on the snowshoes, right? And go experience these heels, you know, for a day. And the barrier to that is literally zero. Experience is life-changing. And people don't do this for sort of what I think are very silly reasons. There is no infrastructure to do that. And um I kind of think of Packaging wilderness as it might sound very cheesy, but sort of packaging as a consumer product. <laughs> Something that vast number of people actually have a way of consuming, engaging, executing, having fun, doing it safely, you know, it's 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 truly life-changing and it's and it's mission that was worse for me to come out of retirement for.
2: Absolutely.
1: And I, I really do think that uh, what your guys's um system that you're creating is is kind of going to be it's world changing it is because i f- realistically i feel like the other 99 percent that don't get to experience or whatever the number is that don't get to experience. it outdoors, may i may have been a little low but it, but i mean in that sense i feel like the main reason why they don't do it is or say that they don't like it is because they don't have the experience they don't know what to expect and they're scared Definitely. They don't. They don't know what to do. And in this case, that's why it's so versatile. What Ride On Trek is doing.
2: Well, let's say Ride On Trek as a whole. You package everything, so you're going to get your food, your rental, um, and everything else combined. I mean, your your total has to be like very very affordable for for the everyday person. I mean,
3: it's designed to be super affordable. We work really really hard. We really like you look at our meals. We could have priced that as a premier gourmet product and charge whatever, probably two X, and and market definitely can bear it. But the thing is, is that you do things like that, and and, and it does cross threshold of affordability. The, the 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 folks who want to enjoy outdoors largely doing it because they don't want to pay for the cruise, right? They don't want to go an expensive whatever, you know, beach vacation. Uh, the outdoors. Should be simple to to access and, and quite affordable to people of of all walks of life, so we work really, really hard to try to figure out what are really the pricing envelopes that we can support while still having a business on our side um that is just a kind of a mass product for you know everybody or or almost everybody. Uh, and, and, and it forces us to make some tough choices in terms of, you know, what kinds of things that we could do, what kind of services we can provide. Hopefully we're walking that line, you know, just fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's very, very essential that, um, you don't have to spend a huge amount of money. I mean, there is a glamping market, right? There are people who are happy to, you know, spend whatever 500 bucks a day on a, you know, super luxurious, you know, camping experience. There's a place for that as well. Uh, but uh, it certainly doesn't have to be. So how can we make you know, the most of the beautiful public land that we get to enjoy in, uh, uh, you know, in this beautiful country just much more accessible? Definitely. It does not have to cost much. It's much more about just putting pieces of the puzzle together and uh, removing the hassle, removing the risk, removing the unknown unknown, just packaging it so that you can enjoy it and, and be safe doing so. You know, a lot of stories that I hear why people sort of, oh, you know, in my 20s, as you said, I try backpacking. Like my boyfriend took me once. Well, they, they had uh, wrong backpacks. They overloaded it by a factor of two or three. They didn't have any fun. They had, uh, you know, whatever. They, they, they tore their muscles. They had wrong shoes, right? The whole experience was completely miserable. They got wet. And the takeaway from it is like never again.
1: Right, right. <laughs> And I think almost in the sense of kind of your your locker idea is it's almost like a training for, uh, you know, for the percent of population that uh, people that may not have the experience is why they're, you know, using um, this service from Ride on Trek. And, you know, yeah. you like to think that people have that common sense that if you were to throw these essential items in that they get there and they would know what they're for and things like that. And it's almost like learning by trial and error which is an incredibly easy way for somebody to be able to go in, you know, figure out, oh, that didn't work that way. Let's go back, let's try it again. The next time they do it, they'll never forget how to use that specific piece of, of uh, you know, equipment on, on whatever outdoor experience they're doing. And so it's, it's, a, it's also a training in a sense, if you think about it.
3: I hope so. I hope so. I hope a lot of education does happen. And again, going back to kind of teaching people good habits, it, I, I want to make it easier to be a good citizen, leave no trace, you know, be right away taught how to use their public lands responsibly, um, and like provide all the pieces that are just designed to work well. Than you know, trying to recover of somebody who just developed horrible habits because they just didn't know any better. Right. <laughs>
2: I think yep. that um what is kind of interesting and, and something to bring up here, uh I thought it was funny when I was speaking with the the connection that we had. Um yeah. they had said that um well it might be hard to talk to Victoria about what she does because she's more centralized on you know, ride right on track is more outdoor uh hiking and stuff like that, and you guys are more hunting and fishing. And I'm like, I, I couldn't disagree with that statement anymore. I think that we're doing the exact same thing with just different mission points. I think that um yeah. I'm doing, like, we're we're so similar in a way of how we pack our gear, how we set up our adventures, how we enjoy the outdoors. I think that hunting and fishing is so m- much in line with what you do. Um,
3: and and I love the fact that, that hunters actually are embracing our meals. I mean, that that's the most uh, kind of a ready product for them. Um, and, uh, you know, we have people from a hunting community that, that just, uh, you know, rave about the product and use it repeatedly. Um and I think it's just fantastic. i I myself can relate to like fishing more than hunting. Um uh, they're not terribly dissimilar. Uh it's just one I have personal experience with and, and another I don't. Um but I also see as we continue to grow, we're kind of starting from backpacking, camping. Because these things are, 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 frankly, you have to start from somewhere. The, the mission is big enough that you have to kind of have a beachhead somewhere. And uh, I, I just have a lot more personal experience in this than than other sports. But we very much envision our platform to grow to be very multi-sport. So we want to support the the biking, the skiing, the rafting. Uh, you know, use of waterways have a lot of similarities. You People who go on the sailing trips, they use exactly the same food in exactly the same way. Um, so there's a lot of similarities. We want to be able to extend our studio for people to put together multiple, like multi-sport itineraries where one day they'll go fishing and one day they'll go rafting and one day they'll they'll go do something else. And when it comes to rental of equipment, you know, we're kind of seeding this business by having inventory of our own. But I could totally see opening up our reservation system and smart lockers to other type of equipment. And maybe there are people who are renting hunting sets and maybe there are people who are renting fishing sets um, and people will be able to rent, you know, kayaks or snowmobiles or whatever the case might be and then use our smart locker infrastructure, right? For delivery and pick up in the same way. And if we do, then we become more of a maybe marketplace of our recreation services. And that would be very cool with me as well. That that's very aligned with the overall overall vision.
2: I for sure could see. I think that's like really that. genius because um, my, myself, I'm a hunting guide. So it would be interesting for me to be able to have some sort of uh, avenue to where uh, you know I got four guys coming in from Massachusetts or something like that that have no Montana uh, backpacks, clothing, whatever, yep. to set them yep. straight up for a, for a small fee, and you know they're comfortable and set yep. up, and I don't have to worry about it.
3: Yeah. And I'd be happy to. We're starting to partner with people and we are partnering with people who are renting jeeps and we are partnering with companies who are in a like Overland uh, business. And uh, we're starting to partner with guides and I would be totally we're starting to partner with a company that is doing ski rental. Um, which great, you know, let allow people to rent skis in the winter time and pick them up from our lockers, as long as this other company wants to deliver their skis into the locker, right for the customers. And so, you know, in the same vein, if somebody were, uh, you know, renting a, uh, you know, archery equipment, I have no idea if it's a thing, you know, but if there was a thing, then somebody could have a business, you know, renting that equipment and taking people out. Um, and then others can come from out of state and just have a hunting vacation and not, not having to have any pieces of the infrastructure and you know, we can facilitate.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's, I could see that being very beneficial for a hunting guide stance, because like, if you think about like the extra money you spend by, you know, having your carry on and flying with rifles and things like that, I mean, rifles might be a, a little bit of a hard scenario. Yeah, I for... think
3: guns might, might, might be, you know, we have one off on all of this. I don't right. know all the gun laws, but I like that, that piece you probably, you know, want to have your own, but right. but a lot of other stuff you don't. It, and it, it's just a gap. Just be a commodity, high quality.
1: For sure. And it would lessen your your price of your carry on 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 that flight, you know, like not bringing that backpack full of, you know, 40, 50 pounds and being able to have all that. Stuff, it,
2: no, I think it's very interesting. It I think is. that, because um, like when we think of like how we're designing our company, um it's got stepping stones for a vision that we have yep. down the road and so it's kind of fun yes. to listen to something very similar um yep. you always have to and uh so yeah i mean it's just it's it's cool to see a company out there that's really trying to take over the not really take over but really broaden the landscape Maybe of what's available well and we kind of do we the same thing
1: for <laughs> sure within um BNB, is is you know there's other Companies that are doing very well, that are doing the same thing that we're doing, that kind of started the, um, you know, the trend, and we kind of are always like, well, you know, they did this, this other company did that. We're like, what could we do different? And that's always kind of how we we
2: try
0: and operate at B and B. And it's really what can good. we do different, and what can we do better? Right? How can we make it more efficient?
2: Yeah, and maybe off the record, Victoria, we'll share our our end goal uh, vision yeah, I'd love for to. this for this because it's actually very uh, different than what most yeah, people would think. That. But, um, yes. yeah. So with, with that being said, is there anything else with right on track or anything that you want to say before we dive in? This is kind of just a fun thing we do at the end where we get to kind of just go around the room and ask you questions, um, that might not be super, per- not, not unprofessional, but like, you know, I might ask you, Perfect. I might ask you, yes. um, like what tripper, you know, I'll just start it right now. If you're, if you, uh, if you have nothing else to say, uh about right
3: ask me me about about some of the other hobbies uh you know while you're at it i'll 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 gladly talk about some other stuff that has nothing to do with ride on track or (laughs) uh or outdoors okay well let's (laughs) get it it, let's get
2: it going then my first question for you is do you have a trip plan this year that you are more looking most looking forward to in 2023
3: um I had several trip plans. I don't know how many of them I'll be able to do because um, unfortunately my mom sort of uh, got, uh, uh, her health de- deteriorated and I'm now somewhat worried about going off for for a long time off the grid. I was supposed to be in Patagonia in, in January and I ended up scraping that. Um, there is a hope of going to back to Alaska for a week or so in August. I, I really hope it, it, it holds.
2: Yeah, that sounds great. I'm sorry to hear about your mom, but um, Alaska is something that we've been talking about too. That oh, sounds yeah, like oh, a yeah. good time.
0: So I guess my question would be, out of all of the trips that you've done, do you have a single favorite that just resonated with you? Like, yeah, this was, this was the trip. Uh,
3: um, different trips for different reasons. But I could tell you the most magical moment that have, that have ever happened to me in the, in the mountains. Um, and this was two summers ago in Brooks Range in, a, in a Gates of the Arctic National Park. Um, a group of, I think, seven or eight of us uh, were tracking for a, for a week. And it was the day before last one. We were in some remote canyon um, uh, following the river. And all of a sudden, it, it's kind of a narrow canyon. Very much in Alaska, you often you'll find the canyon. There's a river and then two mountain ranges. And you're trying to navigate that canyon. And it's fairly narrow. And at some point in time, we see this big rock in the middle of the canyon. And all of a sudden on that rock, we see a giant white wall. Hmm. Uh, like one wall, large, big, just completely wide Staying there and looking at us, and of course we froze and uh, wolf froze, and then wolves starting to make you know kind of a very iconic noises, howling. And the next thing that we see is pups, little pups crawling all over that stone, um, and half of them were gray and half of them were white. We could see that, and we figured out that it was a that was a mother uh, and it was a den, and uh, you know she kind of got her brood into the den. Then she turned around and barked at us.
4: <laughs>
3: uh, and I've never even known that wolves can bark. Um, and, and I went later researching. It was kind of a fascinating. I, I never heard of, of that. But she was clearly telling us to, to stay away. And right at that moment, a rainbow came out. And it kind of encircled this white, white, white wolf. So we're standing there in the middle of absolute nowhere, you know, looking at a giant white wolf talking to us in the center of a rainbow. I mean, if that's not a fairy tale, I just don't know what is.
2: No, that is got a beautiful setting. I can. To that yeah, story. Yeah, that's a beautiful wow. setting. I, I can, I've experienced similar things in the outdoors, but yeah, that's that's amazing. What do you got, Sean? Please.
1: Um, do you have? So you've obviously done um, several several different st- types of backpacking trips. Do you have? Somewhat when you're preliminary planning for these, is there like a mm-hmm. mild distance um an elevation change, things like that that you stay away from, or is it all pretty consistent
3: yeah there's there's stuff that I can do, and I know that i you know and and i and I try to shoot for kind of a you know ninety percentile of what I think is stretch like stretch but doable right if it's on a sustainable basis and what it is changes a lot with like my personal fitness um like right now it's nowhere near where i wish it were because it was just uh you know any and and from covid like a lot of things have have done don't heal enough and i've done a lot less than than i wish i did uh looking for for ways to kind of get back but you know in a, in a, in a peak shape things were getting you know better and better and better so i could do more and more and more so yeah, like depending on when where I am and what the terrain is and what the elevation is and what the weight pack is, I will be looking at, yeah, maybe maybe it's uh 15 miles, maybe it's 17 miles, maybe a day, maybe maybe in some cases, you know, 20. Uh yeah. So I'll I'll be looking at the at the blend of the things. I, I like to move fast. I'd like to do maximum amount of distance in the shortest amount of time. So depending on, yeah, like physical shape and the complexity of the terrain, I'll, I'll try to pick, you know, as ambitious of the of the itinerary as I can pull off, but it also has to be safe. So I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about contingencies. I had enough accidents in the mountains uh, where... I know very well that if I'm planning expedition in a mountain range, I need to know what emergency exits are. I need to know where the nearest hospital is. (laughs) I need to know what the evacuation routes are and whatnot. I think things happen in the backcountry.
1: For sure. And I don't think a lot of people um, take uh, notice to those small details that are – well, they're not small details. But in a sense, they are to your trip. But they are very important. Um, I feel like a lot of people can lack on that.
2: Absolutely. I think that...
3: Oh, um... I did a lot of, uh, you know, as my confidence grew, so did the desire for more maybe intense or exotic trips. And sometimes I could find uh, companions and sometimes I couldn't. So I've done a lot of solo trips over the years and I and I like it. Uh, but there is a higher degree of sort of consequence of mistake or injury or something like that if, if you're solo. So you need to be even more prepared.
2: Absolutely. I think that uh we talk about it all the time. The uh the positives to having the camaraderie with the group too is, is a is a major plus too. Um I guess my next question for you is uh mm-hmm. man, I had a really good one lined up and I just totally lost it. You guys might have to might have to st- save me from this one.
0: Um so I guess uh what has your toughest trip been?
3: Uh Physically, the most exhaustive by far was climbing Kilimanjaro. Um, so I've done it pretty early in my, uh, I guess, in my career. Uh, I mean, it's legitimately difficult trip because the elevation is so high. Um, and uh, I also got sick. Uh, like, on it's a six-day trip. And on a second day, I got, like, a stomach bug. So I, like, couldn't eat and couldn't drink. and. You know, it it's just all adds up. Um, so the 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 last two days, the the climb to the high camp, and then the, the actual climb from a high high camp, which is about fifteen thousand feet, to the to the summit, which is about nineteen thousand feet. So you're climbing about four thousand feet with very little oxygen, and you know, little sleep, exhaustion, whatnot. That 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 definitely was was physically the, the most demanding. It's crazy. So, with
1: that being said, you've climbed Kilimanjaro. Is Everest in the cards or no?
3: Everest is definitely not. Uh, there's nothing that I, that, that I want to have anything to do with actual climb, climb of Everest. Uh, there was a time that I wanted to climb every other uh, kind of of the six peaks. I was very enamored with the idea of climbing the, the Venice Massif, which is the highest point in Antarctica, which is a whole other set of skills that's required honestly i don't know if that's in the cards i sort of haven't been i've been off the training schedule for the last two years that's required to be able to do that so yeah i wanted to do denali i wanted to do aquacanga um i i don't know if i'll get to do these things uh i definitely want to do a long distance uh, uh backpacking trip i um uh, the the covid year was supposed to be my pct through hike year uh, you know that didn't happen, and now honestly, that was all when I thought I am retiring. Well, you know this is not retirement, and, and this is uh, this is also not the only thing that that I do professionally. Run run this company, so uh, it's just not in the cards to go disappear for for a long time, at least not for another few years. But maybe someday I'll figure out how to retire right and and go back and implement <laughs> some. of <that. laughs> All right, so I've I've remembered what I was going to ask. You have yep.
2: you were hinted on the fact that you have some other hobbies. Uh, what are they?
3: <laughs> yeah. So um, much like I discovered mountains late in life and became huge love and obsession uh, about a year and a half ago, I discovered new life and fashion in love, and 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 that's a that's a high stakes poker. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Wow.
4: All right. Yeah. That's... So
3: yeah, I've sort of discovered that whole world of competitive tournament poker. And I've got uh, you know, I'm completely in love with this. I've uh I've since been learning the game. I have to say that competes with my outdoors time too, unfortunately. Uh, because uh, you know, poker tournaments are intense, they go over a long period of time. Um, and uh yeah, I have been doing that. Uh and uh it's it's become a big thing. I, I think as of today, I'm Number one, uh, uh, number one female in the world in poker. Oh man. no, kidding! Uh, Holy cow!
4: <laughs>
3: yeah, at, at least for the time being, um, you know, in the you know, in in, in twenty twenty three standing, but the year obviously just started. You know, somewhere in the top hundred with with man, and and the goal is to obviously go, go go keep going and 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 hopefully you know compete uh, you know with the best of them. For the you know for the highest of stakes. Wow, that was a that was a fact that I didn't didn't <laughs> I, even
2: yeah. think was going to happen. I, <laughs> couldn't even have, I couldn't even. Have, you know, That's awesome. That, that is incredible. Wow. You may be the most interesting person we've had on this podcast. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. Yeah, a lot of lot of interesting. Uh, uh, you know, in one sense, you know, outdoors and poker. You could say, how can you be in more polarly different things? Um, but I would actually say they, I mean, while the media is very different, they both are, they're both very mindful experience. It's kind of all consuming. These are two types of Narnias. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Is, you know, or, or or maybe outdoors is Narnia for me, and and poker is kind of a kind of a Hogwarts, Harry Potter land. Uh, full of wizards right and you you know wave your magic wand and you try to outsmart other wizards um but they're both super magical experiences they kind of take you from the real life in the realm of this incredibly magical you know different life it's both are ambitious and uh, uh, require different skills they absorb you completely they're to me very mindful you know activities and uh, that was just incredible fun.
0: Yeah, that's wow. awesome,
2: Rams. You got <laughs> any? You guys got anything else? I, I
0: think I'm all questioned <laughs> out. I am.
2: That was a... well. Not only. So, are you doing like a World Series of Poker then? Like, yeah, that...
3: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. So cool. I, I I hope so. I just came from Paris. I got to win a big tournament there. That was exciting. Um, yeah. I I still hope that in the summertime I get to go play. I'll play in World Series of Poker, and then there's a big tournament in Barcelona. And uh, I'd love to figure out how to do maybe a Swiss Alp trip, uh, right, with with some backpacking, uh, you know, and combine it with with poker trip. I don't know how that will work out, but... Uh, I'm cooking some ideas. <laughs> wow! Heck yeah! I will definitely be watching. Yeah, I you know. know i am be like, "Wow, wow. Hey, it's Victoria on yeah. TV. <laughs> I've um, been on a few televised final tables, so yeah, you you keep watching. Yeah, well oh, now I know,
2: see, we're gonna probably be on the YouTube after this, looking up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> You can't have a hunting camp without having poker at it. So I mean, that's, that's true, something absolutely. we define interesting. Yeah, there too. you go.
3: Right, it's not cold Texas holding for nothing. Yeah, yeah.
2: that's right. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that I think that that's a perfect way to to finish this up. I think that this has been quite honestly one of my fa- top top five yeah. easily oh, yeah, interviews sure. that we've ever had. Uh, Victoria, thank Wonderful. you for coming. Thank on. Thank you
3: so much for
4: having me. Yeah, of yeah, course. my pleasure. Thank you. Is there Hope anything?
2: Is there anything uh, we could plug for you? I mean, obviously, uh, your website is it rightontrek.com?
3: Yeah, check out rightontrek.com, BioMeals, meals. Look, we, we now have a crazy sales. We are, we are mm-hmm. liquidating all the 2022 meals inventory so we can create space for 2023. It's the same thing, just the packaging slightly changed. Uh, so it's just an incredible deal. Uh, you know, give it a try you You might discover you know your 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 new favorite way to to eat. Uh, definitely. And then if you're planning any sort of uh, active adventure active vacation in northern Montana, uh, please stop by the edge, you know, check this out, uh, give us a holler, you know say hello. And then uh, definitely check out. In two months, we'll be releasing Wilderness Studio. It's going to be completely free. I needed to say that our plan is to give all of our software software for free um so yeah check it out and see if you get inspired to go do some fun things
2: awesome thank you so much we'll have everything that she just spoke about linked in the bio below um for now i think we're going to end it here victoria we'll we'll speak to you, to you a little bit more when we're done here um but for as far as the podcast goes uh everybody check out um right on Trent. we're no well no, no i'm trying to think we're, we're uh We've got so many BNB stuff going on. Maybe I'll just talk about it. We're gonna um, we're gonna talk about it in a little bit afterwards. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about our stuff later. Thank you, Victoria. Check out Right on Track. Um, and as always, we'll catch you on the next one.
0: See you. later. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers.
2: Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers, be sure to follow
1: us on TikTok and Instagram at Bull underscore Mountain underscore Brothers, and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers.
0: Also, don't forget to check out our BB store at bullmountainbrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear.